Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 47. The average transaction involves uh, 27 parties on average in two or more countries. You can easily imagine why the industry is filled with paper. Neural networks are based on the structure of a biological neuron of the human brain, so they can make connections and reach meaning without really relying on a predefined behavioral algorithm. I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Now, among the oldest areas of financial services, trade finance has always held a very central position within international trade with around 80 to 90% of transactions being financed by some form of credit, guarantee, or insurance. The sector is one of the most manual and paper-based of the whole industry, resulting in expensive and error-prone operations with a slow processing time. Emerging and new technologies have the potential to address some of these problems, with the potential to transform the way these transactions are actually conducted. So with that in mind, today I'm joined by Arnaz Dolly, CEO and founder of Nebu. Arnaud, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Thank you very much for having me. Introduction and elevator pitch. In 30 seconds, could you tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do? I can do that in even less. So uh, we're from France, and uh, we're developing Nebu, which is an AI-native document checker for trade finance, focusing first on documentary credits. So we are a SaaS platform helping banks and exporters to save time reduce costs and mitigate risks by digitizing and automating document and data checks. So basically our mission is to transform trade finances, complex manual processes into simple automated actions. Thank you. So you were previously called Vera Fizi when we met you at Singapore FinTech Festival. Why the name change? Well, we chose the name Vera Fizi because we are making verifications easy. But the name itself, as I sadly observed, wasn't that easy to pronounce or to spell for syllabs or a lot, and people were struggling with the F in the middle. We have an international vocation. We wanted to have a name that would be easy to understand and to write, no matter where you're from. And uh, after all, our mission is to turn difficult tasks into easy action, so we cannot start with a complicated name. So basically, we've used the lockdown and confinement to brainstorm about that, and uh, we thought of scribe, as scribes are associated with paperwork in ancient Egypt. But many companies are already named like that, so we were looking at who were the patrons or gods of scribes, and uh, found Nabu, who was the ancient Babylonian god of knowledge and literacy and uh, actually represented the first time humanity institutionalized the value of knowledge. So as our platform reads, understands, and analyzes documents and data, we thought the reference was perfect. Great. So let's talk about paper. The average cross-border transaction requires some 240 copies of 36 paper documents. Why so much paper in trade? As the average transaction involves uh, 27 parties on average in two or more countries, you can easily imagine why the industry is filled with paper. First, papers give you ownership of the goods. 
So you already know that you will need some at the beginning of a transaction. And then as you have many parties involved, including what freight forwarders, inspectors, shippers, insurance, customs, you can expect at least a receipt from them. And most of the time you will be asked for some papers to prove that everyone did his part and the whole transaction went through seamlessly. Also, you're going through two customs, so import custom and export customs, and uh, you will need to show good faith or else your goods will get stuck there. And well, almost every time you show this through documents, even though today customs, depending on the countries, but are getting more and more digitized, but only for the support, not the processes. So they are trying to cut the documents, but at the end of the day, it involves too many people not to have this kind of a month of paper. I'm going to take a bit of a, a segue here and, and now talk buzzwords and, and then we'll come back to the pay problem after. So let's talk about artificial intelligence or AI, as, as you mentioned earlier. So for our listeners, what exactly is artificial intelligence? AI, it's a field of research that started in 1956 and uh, went through first a golden age, as everyone was excited, and then a dark age called the AI winter, when everyone thought like, okay, this is actually not going to work, and it was not living up to its promises. So it really started well in 1997 with the victory of IBM's Deep Blue and Gary Kasparov. From this moment on, AI made a huge leap forward, and the interest of the world and investors and scientists and developers for it just kept growing since. And yeah, since 2010s now, thanks to the applications of machine learning and other parts of AI, such as uh, natural language processing, for example, a lot of companies and individuals are seeing, um, sometimes they don't see it, but they just don't realize it, but they see the benefits of AI in the real world, from commercial flights using AI autopilots to smart assistants like Siri or Alexa, chatbots self-driving Teslas or even Netflix or SoundCloud, which are doing predictions based on what you are seeing or what you like. So yeah, this field is still in its infancy, but it's getting better every day. And uh, as many industries already have solutions up and running and already benefits from it, I don't see any dark period or winter, as they call it, coming anytime soon for artificial intelligence. That's very interesting. I actually just had to meet both Alexa and Siri in my living room. So let's talk about one application of AI within document checking, which is a bit of a skill. I think it takes one and a half hours on average to check a set of documents. It's a bit of a meticulous task. And I think actually, I'm going to give a shout out to our friend Bob Renai here, who you know, claims that some of these tasks really do require experienced, skilled humans. Why, in your opinion, do you think we can use processes such as, why can we use AI to help automate some of these processes? And, and what's the benefit over you know, perhaps a skilled human who has had a lot of the experience and knows a fraudulent document from a non-fraudulent document? So yeah, for Documentary credits, in fact, it takes uh, on average an hour and a half to check documents, not only for them, but it's probably the greatest example of something that is really needed a bit of a skill. The two main problems here for documentary credits, for example, is that we have some documents that have really different layouts, as there is no imposed format on the vast majority of documents, and every company can do whatever they want with, for example, their invoice. They can have the layout they, they, they want, and they can put the data they want as long as they have 
the basic data that is needed on it. So why I think it's really interesting is that the technologies that were available before didn't really allow OCR to work well because OCR were just template-based. And if you are template-based, it means that whenever you have a document that does not correspond to what your software is used to, then it's not going to work. Today, with neural networks and deep learning, we can actually train algorithms to recognize documents and extract the data in it, regardless of the fact that the software already did see this type of document. Secondly, you were talking about, uh, for example, Bob Renay, and uh, there are quite a lot of people, like actually not a lot, but who are highly, highly skilled for this kind of test. These are the guys who are actually making the law, making trade finance a more structured place. But the only problem is that everyone knows that in trade finance, everyone is lacking stuff because it takes, when you talk with French banks, for example, they say that it takes on average 10 years to train a document checker from junior to senior. And uh, in 2020, people are not staying 10 years at the same job. So the problem is here, if you are just relying on the small portion of people who hold every bit of knowledge about this, and then you have quite a lot of people and companies struggling to examine their documents because they don't know exactly the rules, they don't know exactly what they have to check, it means that at the end of the day, you just have a bit of mind around the world that actually can do the job. When you take the millions of companies that are doing trade finance, you cannot just rely on a real small number of people. The great thing with AI is that the more it's going to learn, the more you will have almost someone that has like 1,000 years of experience in trade finance, but it's going to be available to every bank, every company, every insurer, every freight forwarder. They will be able to have probably the most skilled artificial human on their computer, on their phone, and it will just bring a kind of security and ease of use of the trade finance to everyone in the world. Let's go into a bit more detail about the learning side of things. So what exactly is a neural network? Because I think actually one of the issues is people don't necessarily understand the potential for neural networks. And why would we want to use neural networks for document checking? Neural networks are based on the structure of a biological neuron of the human brain. So they can make connections and reach meanings without really relying on a predefined behavioral algorithm. Sometimes they do need an initial supervising from a human, but it just depends on the artificial intelligence method that you choose. So basically, artificial neural network can be described as a, well, a system composed of at least two layers of neurons. So you have the input layer, which will get the information, and the output layer, which will give you its insight, its decision. And you have, in between, you have uh, hidden layers. So the more complex the problem to be solved, uh, the more layers the artificial neural network must have, each layer being composed of neurons. So the process always follows the same sequence. So information, in our example, it's the set of documents that, let's say, a user scans and upload on the platform, will be fed into this network, and it's transmitted to the first layer of neuron, the input layer, where it's processed. So each neuron will have what is called a weight, which can be positive or negative. And each neuron basically will have a bit of information. So one will have the color of, the, for example, the document. Another one will have the words, the characters, etc. And then they will have a weight that can be positive or negative if it's something that is important and needs to be treated after. In the next step, the output value of each neuron is calculated. Depending on this value, a greater or lesser number of neurons are connected and activated in the network. These connections draw an algorithm which makes a result correspond to each input. And basically, each iteration allows 
to adjust the weighting and the algorithm so that the network is just getting better and gives each time a more accurate and reliable result. The thing is that the more you are training this type of algorithm, let's say, for example, on recognizing documents, the better it will get. Even at recognizing, for example, default discrepancies in documents, it's exactly the same. It will, at some point, get much better than anyone because the more you fit it, it's unlimited in terms of what it can train. So they're just getting smarter over time. So it keeps enhancing the knowledge and capabilities. So just imagine the possibilities. Let's say, am I right in saying you can train a neural network to separate perhaps leading to the title of this podcast, the face of a cat from an invoice, right? Definitely. And how exactly can you, I guess, spot a fraudulent invoice then from a legitimate invoice? Basically, neural network and mostly uh, deep learning and machine learning, it's a technology that is made to find patterns to detect similarities. Let's say that you train an algorithm well to find pattern in a data set of fraudulent invoices and legit invoices. Basically, what you are going to do is that you are going to label every fraudulent invoice saying fraudulent and the other one you are going to say legit and you are just going to fit that to your algorithm and it will just work on it and start to find patterns to similarities between the invoices that are legit and the invoices that are fraudulent which means that you have companies today such as for example shift technology who are using this to reduce fraud in insurance claims they work really well and the thing is that you can have millions and millions of neurons working together in a neural network and at the end, it will find similarities and patterns that a human cannot find because it's too complicated. It's really small details, small bits that you don't even get, but the network will actually find it. So for this process to flourish, you still need to have different, you still need to have lots of input data, right? How is that being obtained? Obviously, from a data sensitivity and compliance perspective, if I'm a bank, I'm not going to want to send you a repository of all of my historic customer invoices labeled legit and fraudulent obviously no and that's why banks don't do that never <laughs> the thing is you have to work around this so you can start to imagine around the documents you need to work with to find some data sets online and i think the biggest point here is that for quite a lot of parts of deep learning you can try to create a generic data sets so basically you make something that is synthetic, it's created. The problem with documents is that it's much, much more complicated than that because documents can vary in terms of layouts, formats, data points in the document. So it's very, very complicated to actually manage to have data sets created almost automatically without you having to say, oh, but this is twice the same invoice. So the point here is that we're working quite hard on creating synthetic data sets of documentary credits, letters of credits and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I think if today we could have repositories of uh, large data sets of this, it would actually take this kind of technology much, much farther as it was the case with health algorithm where everyone was like, this is something that like a picture of a patient, of a doctor, so you cannot put it online. But most countries actually made some central data sets that companies can apply for use. And when you are awarded the use of this kind of data sets, then you have like millions of picture and you can actually come and try to do a bit of concurrence of competition to the large American or Chinese companies who already have millions and millions of uh, data sets. 
So that would actually be the secret. But for now, we just have to try to create them ourselves. Very interesting around the synthetic data sets. And I guess you can then start to apply them across different documents, such as bills of lading, for example. But I guess in order for a lot of this to work, we also need to have a layer of structured data on many of these data points so that they can you know, be passed on by API perhaps to other systems. Is that right? What, is your, what are your thoughts on, on the need for structuring data? Well, the biggest problem for OCR is that, yeah, indeed, they need structured data. So that's why you put like large layers of uh, artificial intelligence in pre-processing and post-processing. So everything works with natural language processing and natural language understanding. So when the OCR gives you the output of what has been extracted from the documents that your user sent, basically uploads, you can add some more algorithm that will actually restructure the data that was unstructured in the first place. Because if you are just relying on structured data, trust me, you won't work in technology in trade finance. Of course, yeah. So... Nebu, right now, what stage are you guys currently at? Is there a prototype ready? Are you live? So we started testing a first prototype by the end of last year with some, some banks. And um, we didn't really like the technology. We didn't really like the stack. We, didn't, well, we wanted to change it. So we are still working now on, an, on a new prototype. So that we still started its beta testing period. After summer with four banks and uh, some large corporates in France and other European countries. So yeah, the aim is to train the algorithm while reporting possible bugs or problems with the platform and uh, yeah, to release a V1 around the end of the year. What's the next stage for Nebu? I also realize we've done this entire podcast without mentioning the B word, blockchain. Blockchain, I think there is a lot of work to be done for the digitalization of trade finance and it will need more than just technology. So you have blockchain consortiums today that are doing really great. So hopefully they can start to go seriously live around a lot of transactions. Today, in many cases, companies still cannot send electronic documents or even make electronic signatures. And it's the role of regulators to go ahead and take trade finance into the 21st century. So we'll do everything we can to push the digital transformation in this industry that really needs it, actually. And uh, with this mission in mind, I think we'll have enough work for some time. Thank you for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. And actually, you are a member of our International Trade Professionals Program in partnership with the London Institute of Banking and Finance. So so really great to have you here with both hats on. So look, take care and uh, we will be in touch soon. And uh, we look forward to hearing the exciting developments at, at NABU. Thanks a lot for having me, Dibesh, and see you soon. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com. 